It's a blessing to be here this morning and a blessing to be with our choir. Uh, thank you for that, that beautiful and spirit-led piece this morning. We have been teaching and preaching through the Gospel of John. And I want to, before I read from John chapter 5 today, I would like to give you a little bit of context. This is really Jesus' first public miracle or sign, as John calls them. And in the Gospel of John, when Jesus performs a miracle or a sign, John calls it a sign because it's meant to point to who Jesus is. It, it authenticates the personhood, the divinity of Jesus as the Word of God who has become flesh, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And the other thing that's important to note in our scripture this morning is this is the beginning of the conflict between Jesus and the Jewish religious authorities. It is only going to intensify from here and will eventually lead to Christ being crucified on the cross. And you'll see Jesus is, is going to command this man to, to break one of their religious rules on the Sabbath. Which, which is a big deal, and I don't have time to, to really talk about that today. So I invite you to kind of ask some of those questions in your small groups. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Today, health and wellness 
is a big deal. There is a multi-billion dollar industry devoted to personal wellness. Your, the wellness of your body, the wellness of your mind, the wellness of your soul. And almost everywhere you look, and, and I encourage you tonight is if you watch the Super Bowl, to, to kind of make a mental note. How many of the advertisements are related to wellness? It, it feels as if everywhere you look, there's a new product, a new app, a device, or a program designed to make you well. Powders and pills, supplements and vitamins, yoga and mindfulness, sleep enhancements and therapeutic treatments, diets and fitness programs. The question that I have for you today is, what are you currently doing to be well? Well in body, well in mind, well in spirit. And are those things keeping you well? And I would tell you, what, whatever you're doing to be well, whatever's working for you, for your personal health, wellness, and restoration, keep doing those things. And also understand that Jesus came to make the unwell well. In fact, in, in three of the four Gospels, Jesus says, those who are well have no need for a doctor. But I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. I have come for the unwell. Jesus has come to make the unwell well. And today I'm gonna to show you one practice from the Jesus Wellness Program. So when you, when you get home and perhaps you, you talk to friends or family on the phone or via text, you can let them know that you learned one practice today from the Jesus Wellness Program. And it's not a new program. Thank God it's not in the experimental phase. This program is tried and true from generation to generation. Our story of Jesus making the unwell well begins with Jesus in Jerusalem on a crowded day during a crowded time. It was in Jerusalem, the holy city, that people would come from all over the country and all over the world to celebrate Jewish festivals. It would be like you and I going down to New York City during Christmas time, right? And we have plans to visit certain markets, certain cathedrals, Rockefeller Center, Radio City Music Hall. And we would also keep in mind on our way down to celebrate the holiday that there were certain places in neighborhoods, perhaps, that we would like to steer clear of. The crowds would have known the places in Jerusalem that you would want to steer clear of. One of those places that people would have gone out of their way to avoid was a pool called Bethesda. Archaeologists have discovered that the Pool of Bethesda was the size of a football field between 20 and 75 feet deep, and it was surrounded by five impressive colonnades. The colonnades would have just provided shelter from the hot Middle Eastern sun. And while the pool was built to be a place of peace, a sign of vitality and wellness of the city, it became a place for the unwell, the broken, those who are hurting and suffering. John 
tells us in verse 3, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the, the paralyzed. And people suffered by the pool. People died by the pool. People begged by the pool. Charles Erdman in his commentary calls the pool a place for broken humanity. Have you been to the pool? Have you seen those who are waiting, wasting away by the pool? I know I have. When I was a boy, we, we used to go into New York City, and my father insisted on parking at Port Authority bus terminal during the 1980s. Does anyone remember what Port Authority bus terminal was like in the 1980s? It had a certain feel, right? It put you on edge. It had a certain smell. It would make you want to hold your nose. Port Authority bus terminal contained a concentration of poverty, physical and mental illness, addiction, and violence. And the only reason my family would go through Port Authority bus terminal is because it was on the way to somewhere else. Port Authority bus terminal in the 80s might be like the Pool of Bethesda in Jesus' day, a place that people would steer clear of. Yet, Jesus makes a beeline for the pool of Bethesda. And it's because Jesus' mission was to make the unwell well. And Jesus, in this place of suffering and, and sadness and pain, stops and has a conversation. It, it would be the, the last place that perhaps you and I would choose to stop and strike up a conversation. And we know that Jesus learns that the man, there was a man there who had been lying invalid, unable to walk for 38 years. The enormity, the gravity of lying in the same place for 38 years hit me at dinner on Friday night when my wife said, that's basically my entire life. And I said, babe, you're 29. What are you talking about? But that, that's when it hit me. 38 years lying in the same place, unable to get up and walk. And the reason the man lay by the pool of Bethesda, and the reason that a whole group of people who were unwell lay by the pool is because there was a legend. The legend went like this. If you saw the pool bubbling up and there was no wind, no, no visible cause of the bubbles, it meant they believed that an angel was stirring up the waters with its wings. And if you were the first one in the pool, you'd be healed. And so people surrounded this pool, looked for a good position to be the first one in the pool. And it's while this man is sitting by the pool, unable to come to Jesus, that Jesus comes to him. The man doesn't stop for Jesus. Jesus stops for him. The man isn't interested in a relationship 
with Jesus, yet Jesus is interested in a relationship with him. God comes to you before you come to God. God stops for you before you stop for God. God is interested in you before you're ever interested in God. And God chooses and loves you before you're able to choose and love God. No matter how confused you feel today about God, God isn't confused about you. No matter how little you know about Christ, Christ knows you. No matter how well, unwell your sin has made you, Jesus reaches out to you. And no matter how hopeless your health or circumstances have made you feel, there's hope for you. And Jesus comes to us today with the same question that he asked the man who was unwell. And, and I grew up hearing this phrase, and perhaps you did too, no question is a stupid question. Is, that, is anyone familiar with that? Or is that just something my parents told me? Yeah. Well, this appears to me to be on the threshold. Anyone else? The, the man has been lying there for 38 years. You would think if anyone desires to be well, to be whole, to be restored, it was this man. And yet Jesus asked this man an, a seemingly silly question. Ask Jesus, ask you, ask me this same question. Do you want to be well? Do you have the desire to be whole? Do you really want to be changed? Is, is there an urge in your heart to, to be made different? Or are you a, a person who is stubborn and unwilling and unable to change? Do you really want to be made well? I remember many, many years ago, a man telling me, a, a Christian man, a, a good man, a man who was generous with his time and talent and treasure to the church. You know what he said to me? He said, Greg, I don't want to read the Bible because I'm afraid it will change me. I said, good job being honest. Now open up the Bible. Sometimes we can deceive ourselves, church. Sometimes what we say we want isn't really what we want. The prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17 verse 9 says that the human heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In John chapter 2 verses 24 and 25, Jesus was performing miracles and signs in the temple area and, and people were urging him on and, and pledging to, to follow. And the Bible says in verses 24 and 25 that Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people for he knew what was in each person. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. We say that we want to be well, but we don't. The reason is, sometimes it's easier to complain than to get up and change. Sometimes it's less work to stay down than it is to get up. Sometimes it's less effort to stay unwell than it is to get well. Sometimes it takes more humility and sacrifice and responsibility than to, to change than to stay the same. Uh, psychologists have a term to describe this human phenomena. It's called secondary gains. 
You're a student and you're relieved to learn that you have strep throat because your sickness allows you to put off studying for that math test. It's harder to go to school than it is to lay in bed with strep. It's a secondary game. We, we say that we want to get financially healthy, but there's a rush to buy something that we can't afford or to take a trip to a place that we have no business visiting. It feels good to have that thing or to go on that trip. There's a secondary game. We, we say that we want to work and, and that the economy's bad so we can't find a job, but really it just has become easier to collect unemployment and health insurance than it is to get up early and go to work. There's a secondary gain. People prefer to stay in their bad habits because even though it's hurting them, it brings them some sort of secondary gain. The human heart makes drunkenness more appealing than sobriety, pettiness more attractive than kindness, anger more appealing than patience and judgment, easier than forgiveness. Jesus questions his desire and our desire to get well. And here's the interesting thing. When Jesus asked the man the question, do you want to get well, the man does not say, yes, I want to get well. I would figure that that would be the first phrase out of his mouth. Sir, yes, I want to get well. But in verse 7, you can hear his reply. He reveals the human condition. He gives the reasons why he can't be well. Here's what he says. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Here's what he's saying. I can't get well, and all those other people are to blame. I, I, I can't get well, and I'm a victim of my circumstances. If, if only they would change, if only this would change, if only my kids would change, if only my spouse would change, if only my job would change, if only my church would be different, then I'd be whole and happy and well. I have no one to help me. Who is he saying that who is he addressing when he says, I have no one to help me? Who is the one who is standing in front of him as he says, I have no one to help me? In a Christian church, it's almost always the right answer. I don't know if you've been to church lately, but it's still the right answer. When, when you don't know the answer, you just say Jesus. The, the one who is standing in front of him has come to make the unwell well, yet he is telling himself a false narrative. He is lying and deceiving himself when he says, I have no one to help me because Christ is standing before him ready to make the unwell well. You know why this guy drives me crazy? He reminds me of me when I'm at my worst. Can anyone else relate? The, 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 the appeal, the tendency, the second nature to play the blame game, to adopt the victim mentality and become engrossed in self-pity is something that lives in all of humanity. What he does, don't we do the same thing? In all my uh, fallenness, I just thank God that I'm nothing like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus, but I thank God. 
Because if it was me standing there, I would have pushed them in the pool. And it, and, it, and it wasn't to heal him. It would be to quiet him. And that wouldn't have been a good outcome for that man because have you ever seen someone who can't use their leg try to swim? It's a terrible idea. He puts his hope in something that does not have the power to heal him. How often do we do the same, if only? If only I won the lottery. If only. Jesus does not give the man what he wants. Often Christ doesn't give us what we ask for. And thank God that Christ doesn't give us what we think we need or what we ask for. Instead of pushing the man into the pool, which would have put him in a great deal of danger, Jesus does the opposite. Jesus empowers the man to leave the pool behind, to walk away from this thing that the man believes he really needs. Because Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get as far away from the pool as you possibly can. And after Jesus gives him the command, the man has the power to follow the command. He picks up his mat and walks. And Jesus slips away into the crowd. I believe, you know, biblical scholars and, and commentators, they ask this question, how could Jesus just heal the one? There, there was a crowd of people who were hurting. Why would he just make only one unwell person well? Why would he only bring wholeness to one broken person? And, and I don't think I'll ever have the answer to that question. Maybe you do. I'd love to talk to you about it during coffee hour. But the takeaway from me from this Scripture passages, maybe it's to show the man that the others didn't need to change for him to be well. Maybe it was to show the man that his circumstance didn't need to change for him to be well. Maybe it was to show the man and to show you and I that we are the ones who need to be changed by the love and the power of God and that it's the love and power of God that will indeed make us well and whole. His happiness, his wholeness, your happiness, your wholeness does not depend upon others but can only be achieved through the love and power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke the word, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was with God in the beginning. And it was through God's word that God created the heavens and the earth. Nothing was created that was not created by the Word. When Jesus Christ, the Word of God, speaks His Word, there is power to heal the broken. There is power to create things that, that no person could create. There's the power for something new and different at the command of Christ. And so when we think about Jesus' wellness program, taking away one practice to be well, to be made well by the power and love of God, here it is, church. Here is the one practice. Here is the Jesus wellness program. Listen for his word. Listen for his command. Because when he gives you his word, he gives you his power to fulfill his word. Often my, my two-year-old son falls down. He, he's made it a habit. 
It's, it's a regular practice. He, he falls down in places and spaces where I believe it was impossible to fall down. He is a sweet kid, too. God, God bless little Ben. And often, when he falls down, I say to my little two-year-old boy what Jesus says to the invalid. You know what it is? Get up. How could I say that to my son? Get up. It seems terse unloving. Dad, help him up. I tell him to get up because I understand that he has been given the power by God to walk, to get up and to pick himself up and to walk. When Christ gives us a word or a command, it comes with the power to execute, to walk in that new life that his word invites us into. Do you want to get well? Are you looking for a relationship to get well? Do you want to be emotionally and mentally well? Are you seeking after being financially well and whole? I would say, what is Christ speaking to you through his word? And what is Christ empowering you to do differently? I'm going to close here with with this story, one just story that will help you in terms of application applying Jesus' wellness program to your life. Decades ago, I was a young adult. And there was a young adult group that I ran. And it was a group primarily made up of people in their 20s, maybe early 30s. And there was a young lady in that group, and lovely, lovely young lady. And she was ready to be married. Her career was in order. She was serving the Lord. And there was one thing missing, a husband. If only I had a husband. If only we had children. Then I'll be well. Then I'll be whole. And she had a boyfriend, and she brought her boyfriend to the group. And he was, seemed like a really nice guy. And we knew she was a really nice girl. And they both wanted it to work. But They weren't right for one another. You ever see that? Two really nice people get together, but they just don't work. It's like a weight loss program and ice cream. They just don't go together. It's not going to work out. And she felt like she spoke to the group that God spoke to her. And that might sound a little strange or weird to you, but she said, I really feel like God was speaking to me directly. One night she was reading her Bible. And she was reading through the Proverbs, and the Proverbs are ancient wisdom. And she encountered this verse that challenged her to do the opposite of what she intended to do. And I I believe the, the Proverbs verse is found in chapter 26, verse 11. I could be mistaken. But here's what she read, and here's what she felt God said to her. As a, and some of you have experienced, any, any dog people here? Anyone have own a dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we had a dog. Dogs do this. It's disgusting. People do this too, it turns out, but dogs do this literally. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. She read that verse, and she felt like God put it on her heart. God was telling her, if you stay in this relationship, you're going to continue to be sick. You won't be well. 
If you continue going back to the same pool over and over again and drink that dirty pool water, it's just going to keep making you sicker and sicker. You have to leave this relationship to get well. She heard the word of God. She obeyed the word of God. And guess what? Before she was well, it hurt. But ultimately, Jesus came to make the unwell well. And when we hear the word of God and we act upon the word of God, we experience the grace of God to make the unwell well. So, in conclusion... Do you want to get well? Are you willing to do what Jesus tells us to do to get well? Are we willing to step away from the pool and walk into a life empowered by Christ's word? As we listen for God's word and act upon Christ's word with the power of the Holy Spirit, may you and I walk into new life as Jesus Christ makes us well, because Christ came to make the unwell well. Thanks be to God. Amen.